Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. And today, on today's episode, we're gonna do we're gonna be talking Colts. It's, uh, I know it's been a long time. It's been probably since what early January. We've been talking about the Colts. It seems like forever. And of course, today, today I am Sam Sinclair, and with me is Jake Elrod. And today, um, we're gonna recap the Senior Bowl. It's been a while since the Senior Bowl, so we're gonna go into that. Talk a little bit about some players we. Uh, that caught our eye in that in the week in that week's showcase, and then we're going to go over the Colts and pending free agents, and talk about who the who the Colts should possibly bring back, who should they let go, all that good stuff. So uh, to start the show, of course, Jake, I know you're a little bit more into the draft analyst than than me, but we both got to watch the Senior Bowl. We got to watch practices from a lot of people on Twitter and everything like that. Some great follows, um, and I know and I know. Some guys that we were going to talk about early on first was obviously at the quarterback position, the most important position in football. And the two guys that highlighted Senior Bowl Day was Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. And honestly, I know, I don't know how you feel, but I honestly thought that both both players, they were in control of their offenses in the first quarter when they played. And I thought they honestly looked pretty, pretty well. And you got to think of it. In the Senior Bowl, you're playing with receivers that you've never played with. You're playing with an offensive line you've never played with in a, in a system you've never been under. And I thought, honestly, they were in control and they were poised. And I thought both of them had a really good day um, throwing the football. Yeah, I mean, Sam, first time in 20 years I've been looking at quarterbacks for our franchise. It's still stunning. It but might I'm, be, you know honestly, the first time in 20 years our franchise has really looked at quarterbacks. I mean, Peyton Manning was basically the, the layup decision there and then Andrew Luck was the foregone conclusion before we finished that season 2011. I'm, I may eat huge crow if we end up drafting a guy and we end up going through like a quarterback you know recycling program but I, I don't know I mean obviously I'll give anything for Luck to come back but I'm excited to kind of like evaluate these guys kind of the drama of this whole process I mean, what are they going to do at 13? Before it was just, oh, they're going to pick the best player available. Now these quarterbacks really throw a huge wrench in that. So I'm kind of excited about it, although the situation sucks. But, I mean, we were watching both of these guys throughout the week very closely. Everyone was. You know, they were they were covered very well by a lot of good uh, a lot of good Colts coverage guys on Twitter. Thank you guys for those that coverage, first of all. We wouldn't have been able to really watch them without them because I was able to watch a little bit of the practice uh, here and there on NFL Network, but, you know, those guys did a really good job going behind the scenes, giving us plays, kind of analyzing it. We kind of combined what they said with some national guys. And, you know, I mean, like you said, it really, there wasn't too much surprise. Um, you know, I mean, you you know where I'm at with Herbert. I'm just not, I'm just not there with him. You know, I know the size, he has the arm, he has mobility, but... And honestly, Herbert... What they did, I think the Bengals coaching staff was with Herbert that day. And a lot of what they ran was a lot of RPO quick action stuff, stuff that, you know, our, our offense doesn't really run. But I thought he looked really comfortable on that college-like offense, whereas I thought Jordan Love played in a little bit more of a pro-style offense. Um, but I was really impressed with what Justin Herbert brought. I thought he was really good throwing the ball over the middle of the field. He was very mobile. He took control of the offense. Um I know we haven't really talked much about the free agency. This is really our first free agency podcast for the Colts, but I, I honestly was a little bit – well, I was pretty impressed with Justin Herbert um, at the Senior Bowl. 
Now here, th- and this is what I told you as as Senior Bowl week was going on because I had to remind myself that Justin Herbert did not show any improvement really from last year. I watched him in 2018, then in 2019, he was still a guy with erratic accuracy. He didn't have touch on the ball. He was just very inconsistent for a tenured starter in college. That's why I'm much higher on guys like Love and Easton because, listen, those guys have flaws, but, I mean, they they really only had a couple years as a starter. And they're so, so young, very young. So young. And Love Love rotated over his whole offense, his coaching staff. I mean, with Herbert, you expect him to be very refined. You expect him. And he's playing at Oregon. That's a perennial – uh, that's a perennial program that they have there. And if you look at, you know, obviously we weren't paying attention to quarterbacks this time last year, but he decided to come back because he wasn't a top five lock pick. And you know, the quarterback were, class wasn't all that great last year. It, it wasn't. But, you know, the thought process was he has the size. You know, people are salivating over this guy. If he can come back and show improvements in the accuracy, show improvements in his decision making, show some improvements across the board then maybe this guy competes for a number one. And guess where he's at right now, Sam? He's going to be fighting for a top 10 draft pick. I mean, you know, listen, we talk about the Chargers, but is to say the Chargers take, you know, Derek Brown or say they take one of these receivers. Say, yeah, you know, I'm, they hearing, I, I'm not ahead. saying I have sources, but I keep hearing, like I'll, I listen to NFL podcasts to know a little bit about the rest of the NFL. I keep hearing people say that they really liked what Tyrod Taylor brought the last year or two behind Philip Rivers. So maybe they just... You know, Tyrod Taylor took the Bills to the playoffs. He's a, he's a very good veteran player, so maybe, you know, they ride Ty- Tyrod Taylor out for the next two years as they move into uh, as they move to Las Vegas. Yeah, and I mean, I you know, again, I don't I don't want to read too much in that. I hear the same things you do, and you know, odds are they they probably take a guy like Herbert there. I mean, you know, your top ten pick, Philip Rivers is gone, but you know, like you said, say there's an off chance that Tyrod Taylor is the guy. They see great value in one of these other players. And let's just say they just don't love Justin Herbert overall. If if they don't take him, he could easily slide outside the top ten. I mean, and there's you know, been a few mocks where he's gone, you know, up to the Chargers at six. I think they're drafting. And there's been some that they he's fallen all the way to us at thirteen. And and the point with this being that Justin Herbert did nothing to improve his draft status. So if that says anything, it says has this guy peaked as in terms of his growth? And you know, it's probably prob- the answer is probably not. But it's still a concern for me for a guy like that with those tools. It's just we see these big, tall guys just just don't translate to the NFL at times. And maybe Herbert's different because his mobility is a little better than guys we've seen like Blaine Gabbard and you know some of these other big, tall guys that get drafted because of their size and arm strength. But just for a guy to go into his senior year and just have this plateau in performance, it was just concerning for me. And that's why I'm I'm not as high – on Herbert and some of these other guys, but you know, all in all. So I had to really talk myself into saying, don't fall in love with what this guy does in the off season, because you feel like he's going to destroy the off season because he has great mobility. He has great arm strength. You know, he showed great, great ability to roll out of the pocket in the senior bowl practices. And then the games, you know, he showed, he has a lot of tools. Um, you know, it's just, it just always goes back to what I saw in college in those games. It was just a very erratic player, but if we're just isolating the senior bowl, I thought he had a great week. I thought he was the best quarterback, the most consistent quarterback out of the the charts I had seen, out of the plays I had seen, you know, out of the things we've heard. Again, obviously we didn't get to watch every play, but you know, we watched the game. 
and out of the game, I thought he was the most impressive quarterback in the game too. Obviously there's not as much stock in that as the practices, but you know, from what we've seen, the limited uh, aspect of it, we were able to see and, and kind of di- dissect. He was really, really good. And, and a lot of people had a lot of good things to say about him. And then obviously Jordan Love, who is, you know, right now the Colts fan base is, you know, love man right now. He's, you know, really the hot ticket in Indianapolis. And, you know, it's it's just the thing with him, Sam, is people need to understand this guy is going to look erratic. This guy is not even close to a finished product. I, you know, it, it what what really surprises me is people hear this and they still say, oh, you can't draft this guy because he's not accurate. You can't draft this guy because he can't read defenses. This he number one, he was playing in a Mountain West school. Number two, he had a complete coaching and and roster overhaul. And number three, he just doesn't have the same type of support system that a lot of these other quarterbacks that are first round talents or projected go in the first round to have. He didn't play at Georgia like from even, you know, Easton at Washington, Herbert at Oregon. He's not a complete. Imagine if he had that that supporting cast that Joe Burrow has. Yeah. Imagine. I just couldn't imagine. Even with Joe Brady as the offense coordinator, uh, just imagine. And one thing I wanted to mention real fast is people dog Jordan Love's decision making. But Andrew Luck was not the greatest. You know, he made some really bonehead throws, especially early on in his career. So I think let's 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 knock down the uh, the decision making as a barometer on if we should take love or not because you know Andrew Luck we praise him and everything like that we love him and everything like that but you know early on he had some really bonehead throws and even in the 2018 he made some bonehead throws so I think we need to knock that down a little bit. Well, and Wright did a really good job of really maximizing Andrew Luck's efficiency. I mean, it's weird because he threw like what 15 interceptions or 14 on the season. He still threw a lot, but a lot of those were, you know, early on in the season when he was still finding his shoulder strength and things like that. So, I mean, you know, when you get a guy like Jordan Love in here, and I think it's important for fans to understand that if you take Jordan Love, he's not starting day one. Like, I just, I do not think that that is a good idea for him at all. I think that you're setting up for failure with him doing that. I think that Chris Ballard understands that. I think Coach Reich would understand that, that if you're taking him, you're taking him on the thought process of, this guy is a rare talent, and he is. I mean, the word rare is thrown around kind of loosely at times. You know, a lot of people compare everyone. Everyone's compared to Andrew Luck now. Like, it seems like every time I turn around, everyone's compared to Andrew Luck as a as a prospect coming out. And, you know, I remember watching Andrew Luck that season before, you know, when everything was going to crap with us. And, you know, as the number one pick thing started to pile, you know, watching his games, you know, I, I haven't really seen a quarterback play at that level before Joe Burrow this year, there's been guys that have had really good seasons, but you know, the word rare gets thrown around a lot, but I think Jordan Love is a rare talent. I mean, his, his mobility, I think he has really good uh, balance and base. I think his footwork's nice. I think he has really great touch on the ball. He has a really good arm strength. I mean, he yeah, does have mechanically. He's a really, he's really sound mechanically. I think it's yep. really just all about, you know, the mental side. It's, it's the mental side and you don't have, the 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 people around you to be able to help you adapt to those things and you know again you just look at him from the year prior before his offensive line went to complete hell if anyone wants to talk about his interceptions they need to watch that offensive line at Utah State because that was one of the worst I mean I couldn't even watch his tape I mean we tried to watch it you know we were going back and forth on him I tried to watch it for like two hours and I couldn't even do it I was like you know what I'm just going to go back to 2018 kind of watch that because the supporting cast around him was so bad. It's not a hyperbole what people say. It's just 
you just have to go off of the the traits. You have to go off the makeup and the environment. It's something I just tweeted out about it. You know, the knock on Mahomes was, well, how's he going to win in, in the NFL if he can't win in college? Well, that's silly. I mean, you you it's not about what they produce in college because you have historically guys like Aaron Murray at Georgia put up big, big numbers and no one ever heard from him. He never he never made any sort of impact in the league. It's not about their numbers. It's about their makeup and the and the situation they're injected in, because you look at all of these players, what made Mahomes and and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson different? Why did they succeed where others failed? Because they were put in good situations. You had Watson in Houston where he had uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, and Bill O'Brien for all the flack he gets is still a good offensive coach. He just chokes in the playoffs and is just terrible in like every other aspect. But I think he is a good offensive coach. He So he was provided that. You have Mahomes get Andy Reid. You have Lamar Jackson end up in Baltimore where they use, they use their system to really maximize him. And then you have the guys that fail. I mean, and if you look at a guy like Ryan Tannehill, a perfect example, looked like a complete bust in Miami never did anything, and then he goes to Tennessee, and they're knocking on the door of a Super Bowl. So if you, when you evaluate guys in college, the biggest two things are what is their makeup and what situation are you putting them in? Because really 90% of the quarterbacks that go in the draft can succeed if they're put in the right situation. But a lot of these guys, when you're talking about guys that are going in the top 10 or first-round talents, are going to poorly run organizations. So they get thrown into the fire right away. They get put in bad situations. So you know that's why I just – with Jordan Love, you can't look at the you can't look at the numbers. It's even hard to look at his college tape. You just have to watch, look at his makeup. You know, interview him as a person. You work him out. You know, Chris Ballard, like you said, his his Senior Bowl week got better and better as this, as the week went on. You know, a lot of people were talking about the first day he was really spotty, but in, even in the game, I thought he was really really good. And I, I again, if if the Colts drafted him, I think it would be a great investment. He would need to sit, but. You know, he's a guy I really, really like. And I, I think I think both these guys had a great week. So it'll be interesting to see how the Colts kind of view them going into the combine and at their private workouts. But, you know, both of those guys, I think, helped their draft stock in, in the Senior Bowl week, honestly. And there was another guy. This is a guy I'm pounding on the table for at 13. If if he even falls to 13 at this point, it's Javon, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. And the guy, man, he dominated in the one-on-one drills. Uh, in the uh, early portion of the Senior Bowl week, but sadly he didn't play. I was very upset with that, but man, he dominated most of the offensive linemen uh, at the Senior Bowl. And I, I, I don't at this point. I've done a, a few mock drafts since the Senior Bowl, and he's gone in the top ten. But if he's there at thirteen, I don't care. I honestly don't care if Jordan Love is there at thirteen. I think we need to take Javon Kinlaw because he, he's shown that he can play all four. He can play all four spots on the defensive line. He, he's a hustler. He's got he's got that background. He's got that story, that background of a tough upbringing. He went. He's a senior, of course. He just seems like the Bauer type, and that's a guy I really hope um, that's that he's available at 13. And I hate to throw this comparison on him already, but man, he looks a lot like Aaron Donald. And I know you. I, I keep te- I kept texting you and showing you these videos, and I'm like, man, this looks Aaron Donald like how fast and how quick he is, especially with his hands and. That's just a guy I am going to be pounding and standing and stomping on the table for for us to get at 13 if he's available. If you talk about one thing that makes Chris Ballard drool, it's measurables. You hear it. If you listen to anything Chris Ballard just has to say. Tre- just say trenches, and I think I get some pretty happy, yeah, too. I mean, well, I mean you, you throw in anything with Jay. I mean, Javon Kinlaw fits what Chris Ballard needs and wants to a T. 
He talks about measurables. He talks about special traits. He talks about winning in the trenches. Check, check, check. Javon Kinlaw. The guy is, for anyone that doesn't know his measurables, he's six foot five, 315 pounds. And if that doesn't blow you away enough, he has an 84-inch wingspan. This, this guy is a freak of nature. And when you watch him, like you said, you talk about, you know, you don't want to make comparisons, but it, Aaron Donald was drafted in the same draft range. I mean, he wasn't a top three pick. And when I watch him, it is similar type explosion, the speed, his strength. I mean, this guy has a chance to be a dynamic player. That 84 inch wingspan is about seven feet long. Yeah. I mean, huge, huge. I mean, this guy, you put this guy in the middle of your defensive line and you found your Quentin Nelson on the defensive line. And I mean, Kim Law is that type of person where you're, you could be watching someone else on South Carolina's film, the defense. And you see just Kinlaw just making these plays all over the field, and you're like, who is this guy? Like, I need to be watching this guy. Exactly. He he's just he's just on another level in terms of his measurables, in terms of his skills. You know, he interviewed great. I was I was watching his interviews. He seems like a really good kid. Seems like the, I mean, you've never heard anything negatively about him. He just checks every single box Chris Ballard wants. I mean, and if he's available at 13, like you said. Jordan Love better have blown the Colts out of the water or Justin Herbert, if he falls, better have blown the Colts out of the water because I guarantee you that Javon Kinlaw is sitting in their top three right now on their big board. I guarantee it. I would I would bet my life savings that they have Javon Kinlaw in their top three right now on their big board. You just look at his measurables, look at what he can fill on this defensive line. And I mean, he would solidify. You would have you would have a young grouping of Kamoko Ture. You would have Javon Kinlaw, and then you would have a guy that really progressed well last year in Grover Stewart. You would have the makings of a really, really good defensive line. And if you could go out and even get a guy like Vic Beasley in free agency, you're talking about a really, really potent group right there. And obviously, Justin Houston will be coming back next year. But, I mean, it's going to be, if they draft Kinlaw, that is just a huge game-changing piece. And again, I think these quarterbacks are going to have to do something just remarkable to blow Chris Ballard away because I, I think this guy is a heavy, heavy favorite to be drafted. And and we talk about him falling at 13. If he's available at number nine, there's no there's no doubt in my mind that Chris Ballard would would do what it takes to get up to trade up for him. I think I think that much of Kim Law, and I, I would imagine that they think that much of him as well as well. You talk about what this defense needs, and Chris Ballard says it. You need interior pressure. You need a dominant three tech. He talked about it in Chicago. He talked about it in his other stops that he was at that all of them had a really good three-tech player. And Javon Kinlaw fits that profile. He does it at an elite level. And I just think, man, like I said, if there's a heavy number one uh, number one pick for us, it's Kinlaw. If he's around us, I think Chris Ballard is going to do what it takes to get a guy like this because, again, you know, we need a quarterback. We may need a left tackle. But at the end of the day, if you can draft a guy that's a perennial all-pro, he passed on other guys at other positions because he knew Quentin Nelson was going to be an all pro for years to come. He may do the same thing with Javon Kinlaw here. Again, the quarterback situation really does a lot here because everything he's done has been with Andrew Luck in his back pocket. But again, I, I just, I love what Kinlaw brings to the table. I couldn't get enough of watching him and watching him during the senior bowl week. Like you said, it's just a bummer. We didn't get to see him play, but just the guy's mere presence. He's, he, it's going to be a stretch to see hit, see him even get us at 13. But if he does, we would be very, very lucky to add this guy to the roster. Jake, is there anyone else you want to talk about? I think there was a few guys. Maybe a Notre Dame wide receiver by chance? 
I mean, maybe, you know, maybe a guy by the name of Chase Claypool. I really like that guy. Um, you know, yeah, the touchdown in the senior bowl game. Hey, I mean, he's, you know, he's a guy that can be used a lot. I don't know how many people watch the Giants, but if I look at Evan Ingram, he's a lot like that. He's a guy that, you know, has wide receiver traits, but he's so big and physical that he could just be a dominant scene player for the Colts. If Almost able like to an Eric Ebron type. Yeah, Eric Ebron. But, you know, the thing is, with, with more refined ability. I mean, the thing with Ebron is, like, he had the great skill set but he just didn't have the refined tools of like a wide receiver. He was that's extreme what athletic and fast. Yeah, and that's what makes a guy. And you you can throw in a guy like George Kittle in there as well. Just just a wide receiver in a tight end's body. And I think that's what Claypool is. He made it as a wide receiver in college because you know obviously the speed isn't there, the size isn't there for these cornerbacks. So he really just abused them. But I think at the next level, I mean, any team that takes him, I mean, you could. I think he could still be a serviceable wide receiver, but I think any team that's willing to gamble on him making a conversion to that really, you know, up the seams tight end, that explosive receiver at tight end, I think that that could be a really, really good. And he's a good, he's a good blocker. A lot of people will ask, well, how's he blocking? I watched him a lot at Notre Dame. He's a very willing and effective blocker. And that's one, one thing that made this tight end transition kind of go into my mind is you watch him and he's a very physical player. He's a very willing player. He's not a big ego guy. You know, I mean, he's from Canada, so I don't know how big of an ego he could have. But you know, he's from Canada, so those usually usually you come from that part. A lot of those a lot of those guys are humble. In my experience, you have athletes from up there. But you know, he's he's a Canadian guy, so you know, he's a, he's a really nose to the grindstone type player. So I, I think he could be a really good late round, uh, not late round, but mid round steal. And then another guy I was impressed with was Denzel Mims. You know, we made a couple jokes that. You know, Jordan Love and Denzel Mims might be a, a a package because of some of the plays they made. They almost made a big play in the Senior Bowl game. He, I think Mims kind of lost the ball a little bit, lost track of the ball. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's another guy that could be a really good value pick for us at wide receiver. You know, 6'3", 215 pounds. He's a big receiver, but he has, he has some wheels. Um, you know, he's another guy that I'll look at a closer come to the combine and to the draft to see them target you know, maybe their later second round pick or early third round pick. We'll see, you know, where he falls there. But it's such a deep draft class that you could name a ton of receivers. But, you know, Claypool, Mims, those were a couple of guys I really saw that I liked. And Bryson Hopkins, you know, out of Purdue, I know we're going to be in the market for another tight end with Ebron gone. Um, he was a guy that I thought did really well. So um, he's going to be a guy that I'm going to be looking to see how much interest do the Colts have in him being a local guy. I know that, you know, we brought in local guys before. You know, I, I think that having those roots is 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 nice and beneficial. So um, I thought all those guys were impressive. There were some others, but you know, we'll get into you know kind of more impressive prospects as as the month goes on. But uh, those were some guys that really caught my eye, and I thought did a really good job during the week and helped their draft stock. So let's move on to the Colts and Penning free agents, and we're gonna go over a few more of the more of the popular names. I know this there's a longer list if you check Spot Track, which is where we're getting our list, but. We'll go over more of the important players. So, first on the list, Anthony Costanzo, and I think, I think if he wants to come back, of course, we're recording this in early February, right after the Super Bowl, so we haven't had a decision yet. I really hope it happens before the before the draft or anything like that, or before the combine. But hopefully, um, Anthony Costanzo makes the decision. But I think you, Jake, you you and me can easily agree that Chris Bauer just hands him the blank check and. It just re-signs Anthony Costanzo to whatever way he wants. Yeah, this guy not making a Pro Bowl team was was a crime, and he 
you could have made an argument he was an all pro this year. He's playing the best football of his career. And, you know, I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. He still has. I mean, if the guy wants to come back on a three-year deal, I mean, he says he's in the best physical shape he's been in a long time, pain-free, you know, so that's good to hear. Maybe that's good in terms of, you know, his thought process on retirement. But I agree with you. I mean, this guy changes the whole board. You know, if, if he retires, I mean, we talk about Kinlaw at 13. We talk about Love at 13. But, you know, Chris Ballard, he talks about the trenches and, you know, left tackle in the league. I mean, outside of quarterback, that might be the hardest position to fill. And, and, and there's I mean, there's three that should be around the top 10, top 15 in this draft. So that could be an avenue if Anthony Costanzo decides to retire. Yeah, I mean, obviously it will be. And I think that that will become a, a, a 1A priority next to quarterback because, you know, even if we draft our, our Jordan Love or Justin Herbert or Jacob Eason or whoever you like, you know, if whoever they decide to draft, they're going to be coming in with uh with with Lil Raven Clark running as their left tackle, unless we draft somebody. So, you know, I'm sure Chris Ballard will have that in the back of his mind as he decides what he wants to do with that 13th overall pick. So, like you said, if Cassandra wants to come back, it's a blank check. He's playing great, great football. He's a huge asset. I hope Quentin Nelson is, you know, blowing up his phone, giving a what's up, man, and asking him to come back. But you know, we, we really need him back. I hope he comes back. And I'm I'm anxiously waiting, man. I mean, they said that we would have a decision a couple weeks after the season was over and, you know, the clock's still ticking. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. But, you know, I mean, I, I would think that if, if he was going to retire, I would think that maybe the decision would come by now. So hopefully him waiting longer is, you know, a good thing for us. But, you know, we'll see. I'm sure we'll have a decision, you know, by our next show. And it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. But obviously, like you said, he is by far our most important free agent. So next person we got on here, and this is this one's kind of interesting. Devin Funches played in only – didn't even really play in a full game. He got hurt in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter against the Chargers. But I think if if you don't get it, if you're not – if you don't like any of the receivers early on in the draft in the top three rounds or your top three picks, and the wide receiver free agency class is not great, I think if you can bring back Devin Funches on a one a one-year deal um, – Again next next year, I think that's that's a fair offer. But I think the the bigger question really is, does he want to come back? Because the reason why he came here last year was because of Andrew Luck, and I don't think he's going to want to put another one year prove it deal on the line if he's got Jacoby Brissett, you know, rookie quarterback or whatever throwing him the ball and in the prove it deal. So I would like to bring them punches back. I just think that it's going to come down to if he wants to come back. Yeah, he's either that that's the sticking point. I think that was great you brought that up because it's not I think, you know, judging by Chris Ballard's press conference, I think they do want to give him another year. I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, if you liked him enough to bring him in on a ten million dollar one year deal, that's that's a pretty hefty one year deal. You know, obviously they liked what they saw out of him and, and he was a guy Frank Reich had targeted that he wanted. You know, so I'm sure I mean what would what would an injury do to change that? I mean, he's still I think he'll be twenty five when the season starts next year, so he's still really young. You know, I mean, he's still going to be the same player. It's not like he, you know, tore his ACL or had some sort of devastating injury like that. But, you know, like you said, it's going to fall on him. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest. I don't think he's going to want to. I mean, because you you look at what he's going to have to settle for. It is a one-year deal. He did nothing to help his his future standing in terms of the league's view. And he's going to have to take a one-year deal somewhere else. And he's either going to have Jacoby Brissett, a rookie or Philip Rivers, if you listen to Jason Lockhamforna, he's either oh. going to have one of those three guys to throw to him next season. So it's not, 
that's not exactly ideal when you can, you know, maybe finesse the Chiefs out of a one-year deal or, you know, finesse the Seahawks out of a one-year. I mean, you, there's so many options that a 25-year-old with his skill set could probably get on a on a smaller one-year deal because, I mean, if he watched this game this year, he T.Y. Hilton couldn't even crack 1,000 yards in this offense. What's he going to do? You know, so I, I just don't see him coming back because of his interest. Um, and on top of that, you already have T.Y. Hilton. You know, Zach Pascal did a lot of good things. Marcus Johnson did some good things. I mean, I know you talked about the draft, but, you know, I, I do think that regardless of whether they bring Funches back, I think they're going to have to target a wide receiver in the draft. You have Darius Fountain coming back. So maybe he sees a crowded wide receiver room and thinks, no, thanks. I don't want any part of this. Um, so although I would like him back, I, I like the signing when it happened. Um, I just don't think he's going to want to come back given our quarterback situation. It's unfortunate because I felt like he could have been a really good player for us. I just think with the situation being what it is, I just don't foresee him wanting to come back on a, on a one-year deal where it's probably not going to net him a long-term deal somewhere else. The next person we have on the list is defensive end Jabal Sheard, and he missed the first four games of the season, uh, missed all of training camp, but came back. I thought he was you know, fairly decent. I mean, he's really good in the running game. Uh, didn't provide real much as a pass rusher, and I think it's going to be very interesting because Boward mentioned in his postseason press conference about they need more veteran leadership, and especially I, I, I'm going to guess he meant on the defensive side at least. And I mean, Jabal Sheard is going to bring that, uh, but it's just going to be very interesting because the Colts, of course, they're going to get back Kamoko Ture. They're going to have Ben Bandigo in the waiting in the wings. Um, I think Ballard is going to want to go younger on the defensive line. So, Sheard is a guy. I don't know if I really. I, I would like to bring him back, maybe for one more, one or two more years. But it'd be very hard for him to carve out a role in this offense because, like we've said, he doesn't provide much in a pass pastros standpoint. And clearly, the Colts are trying to go younger on the defensive line. So, I could very much see him being resigned, but I could very much see him walking as a free agent yeah that this one's fairly easy for me i want him back i i like the guy i think he's a good like you said run stopper veteran leadership but i think justin houston really makes him expendable in that in that grouping i know chris bauer talks about wanting veteran leadership so that kind of perks my ears a little bit about a guy like sheard because you know he's he's always a man of the year candidate and you know everyone raves about him as a character as a worker as a player you know, I mean, there's there's not a person that says anything negative about Sheard. Um, you know, I love everything that he stands for. I love him in our in our locker room and on the field. You know, but when you look at it, the, it just doesn't make sense to keep him. Number one, you know, Chris Bauer loves them picks. He's going to net a comp pick, whether it's a fourth or a third round, we don't know. But he's going to get a pretty decent deal somewhere else. He's going to net us a comp pick. I think that's first and foremost. And number two, like I said, Justin Houston is on here. He provides kind of that veteran leadership already. So it makes his leadership in that group kind of expendable. And number three, like you said, the pass rush aspect, he was bad. I mean, that was – I was watching him throughout the season. And, you know, it's just – Justin Houston down the stretch was the only guy that was getting any sort of pass rush on guys. And when he wasn't getting home, it was brutal. And and a lot of that had to do with not being able to get pressure from Jabal Sheard's side. So although I like him as a, as a, as a run stopper, Although I like him in certain areas, I just think the Colts can kind of replace that, you know, with younger versions through the draft. Um, you know, like you said, Ben Banigou, Kamoko Ture, at some point those guys got to spread their wings. And, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously not going to bench Justin Houston. So 
you know, you need to open up a spot for one of those guys and open up some snaps for some of those guys. And I just think that makes your ball shared a pretty easy casualty for me when I look at this free agents. Again, I'd love to have him back, but I just think with the comp picks, you know, the the depth and, and Justin Houston, I just don't see him coming back. So the next guy on the list, we don't need to talk about Eric Ebron. He's very much gone. Actually, the next person on the list is more than likely gone out of the Terry, and it's kind of sad that his last kick in the NFL is probably a blocked field goal. But um, moving on to the next guy is probably another guy that's going to be out. Is probably going to be out as a free agent, and that's Chester Rogers, wide receiver. Um, he went down, I think it was, what, Pittsburgh game or so during the season. He went down as the punt returner, and Naheem Hines came in and I think basically said, hey, this is my job now. And so I think Chester Rogers is going to be fairly easily expendable because, like we've said, that the Colts are probably going to spend a lot of capital at the wide receiver group. Yeah, that that uh, two touchdown game was Chester Rogers' worst nightmare. Seeing Naheem Hines it, look, it like got him. it got Chester Rogers out of a job and kept Bob Latron in his job. Man, Naheem Hines, he looked he looked like he looked like Devin Hester if you played Madden on rookie mode in that game. I know Chester Rogers jaw on the floor just like you know that's your moment he when and he went tell you that that won me three hundred dollars in my fantasy football league i had the colts defense and special teams and that week and they had like 30 or 40 points and lamar i also had lamar jackson on my team and he had like 20 something points and it ended up being a difference in the game but the most the most annoying thing was i was playing my friend and he had christian mccaffrey and it just seemed like every time the panthers were throwing the ball against us it went to mccaffrey and he had like 15 catches and I'm lucky that wasn't a full point PPR league. It was only a half point. So he only got like seven and a half points instead of 15 for the catches. But yeah, Naeem Hines, I should have gave him about $100 or so in, in my winnings because he was, he was legit the reason why I won $300. Yeah, he, he single-handedly cost us the Rodgers. And, you know, I hate it. I don't ever not liking a player. You know, it's funny because you get on social media, a lot of people say, oh, you hate this guy. You hate – nobody – I don't know why fans would want to dislike your own players, but Chester Rogers just bothered me. Like the drops, it just seemed like he wasn't very efficient. It just, I don't know. He was just a weird player to me. And, you know, honestly, I'm just kind of gone. glad to be out of that to where, because the thing is when you have a guy in that situation, there's always a chance he gets bumped up into a bigger role with injuries at wide receiver. And I just cringed at the thought of him ever trotting out as our number two receiver you know, at least he'll go down in history. He caught Andrew Luck's last ever touchdown pass at Lucas Oil Stadium. So at least he'll have that to his name. But other than that, I, I don't foresee him being a Colt in uh, 2020. And another, this next guy is fairly interesting. Raven Clark, the backup left tackle. And I think with Anthony Costanzo's retirement looming, I think this is a guy you're kind of forced to bring back because I don't think it would be very, you know, advantageous for the Colts to have two backup or to have two uh, left tackles, two rookie left tackles coming in in 2020. So I think Raven Clark is probably a free, is a, probably an in-house free agent that the Colts are going to have to try to re-sign. I just find it baffling that Raven Clark is on this roster year after year. Remember when he was the right tackle of the future after those couple games where he came in as a rookie? and I, I don't want to remember, Jake. I don't, actually. I, please don't. <laughs> yeah. It was a dark time. Yeah. He was the he was the media darling for right tackle of the future and came back the next season and got benched like three games in and he somehow survived on this roster because of his arm length. But you know, I I don't argue with you there. I mean, unless they come across a veteran guy. I mean, you know, if Costanzo retires, are they gonna maybe inquire with Washington about Trent Williams? Are they, you know, gonna kind of scour the market? I mean, I just 
I don't think they would have a hard time finding an yeah. upgrade for Raven Clark. To be honest with you, it's just I get I get what you're saying, and that's that may very well be what happens because he's familiar with the team and all that stuff. But I mean, how hard can it be to find an upgrade over Raven Clark? Like I have not seen this guy have and quality. I think Jason Peters is going to be one of those left tackle free agents. Not a lot of them hit free agency, but I think yeah. if you're looking for a stopgap, and I honestly I don't like stopgap stopgaps, especially at premium positions like left tackle. But if you can find a stopgap like Jason Peters for a year or two, and draft a rookie either this year or next year and groom him, if you could do that with Anthony Gasson's retiring, I think that's a better I think that's a better option than having LaRaven Clark start right now. I can almost guarantee LaRaven Clark will never start at left tackle for this team. I was mainly talking about backups. I mean, if we're talking about starter, absolutely 110% no. I don't care if it's a rookie. You cannot trot LaRaven Clark out there week one next season, whether it's not fair to Jacoby, it's not fair to whoever you draft. No matter who you take out there, I you cannot put LaRaven Clark as your week one left tackle. I, I would move Quentin Nelson over there, and I'm I'm staunchly against that, by the way. I would move Quentin Nelson over there before I would put LaRaven Clark protecting the blind side of our quarterback. That's almost a guaranteed murder. But I'm just talking about in terms of like depth on this team. I mean, the fact that he's on this roster just surprised me. Like they can't find any like high upside young tackle. I mean, even if a guy, you know, doesn't, just doesn't shows have, the lack of, it shows the lack of talent at left it, tackle in the NFL. It really just does. It, it it does. I mean, and maybe I like you said. I'm, pro- I'm probably being too hard on the Colts because, like you said, there is an offensive line crisis. I mean, for as much as we dog guys like Gawinski and you know guys like that, I mean, listen, you know, the fact that our offensive line is what it is, we should be very grateful for it. And like you said, maybe LaRaven Clark's just taking advantage of a market that's very thin, you know. But it'll be. I think we've talked about LaRaven Clark way too much, but you know, it'll be interesting to see if he gets brought back, just because I just think he's been terrible. Ever since he had that stint at right tackle, it's just shocking he's still on this roster. But you're probably right. He probably will still be on here. Uh, uh, so two, we'll, we'll group these guys together. The back, the uh, other two backup uh, interior offensive linemen, Josh Andrews and Joe Egg. And I think Josh Andrews is a guy I probably would let go because Andrews was the more the backup center and the backup, uh, the, really the third backup lineman. But I think Joe Haig, and I'm a big Joe Haig fan, I think Joe Hague is probably one of those one of those offensive linemen that you're going to have to bring back because, like we saw, it was against I think it was against Carolina. He, you know, goes in at left guard for for Quentin Nelson on the first possession of the second half, then goes in for Braden Smith at right tackle for a couple plays. Uh, he's very versatile, and I think, I mean, I think if all hell breaks loose, it could be our starting left tackle starting week one tonight. I mean, I don't love it, but I also don't hate it. I think you can upgrade, but I think if we're looking at those two offensive linemen, I think you've got to try to re-sign Joe Haig. Um, and I think you can kind of – I would let Josh Andrews go, and I would bring in a rookie. Yeah, I think Josh Andrews had some decent snaps in the season, which was a complete 180 from what we saw in preseason. I was just kind of like, why in the world did Chris Ballard put this guy on this roster? He stinks. And then he went into the regular season. It was kind of like Glowinski. Actually, Gawinski was complete garbage in the preseason. Then he came in, and you know he's been our right guard for the last two years. So, I mean, it, it may be a situation where Andrews continues to grow, and I think Chris Ballard bringing him in himself and just with the lack of quality depth on this offensive line, like if you look at it from left to right, Joe Haig's a lock to come back, first of all. he's And he's really our only quality backup. I mean, so at this point, 
you know, why not bring back Josh Andrews? He was a guy that Ballard brought in. You know, they obviously think something of him to keep him on the active roster, to keep him as one of those guys. Um, you know, like I said, I would, if they let him go, I wouldn't be devastated by it. But, you know, he's a guy that, that I could see being brought back just based on the attrition until they're able to use the draft to keep building up, you know, these backups. I know they lost, you know, one of their tackles from the practice squad um, that they just drafted last year. They have another one on the practice squad. Um, so, I mean, I think they still need a little bit more in the draft and free agency to build up that depth before I'm ready to write Josh Andrews off. Um, you know, again, LaRaven Clark is in a different situation because he's a different regime. But with Josh Andrews, he was brought in by Ballard. He's been coached with Reich. You know, I'm sure that was kind of a, a dual decision to bring a guy like that in. You know, I'm sure with offensive personnel acquisitions, I'm sure they do that kind of in tandem. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew's back. But again, if he's not, it wouldn't be the end of the world. So the next guy was, four, was the fourth running back on the Indianapolis Colts depth chart for most of the year. Came in and had back-to-back hundred yard rushing games against Jacksonville and Houston, Jonathan Williams. And really, I don't, I don't see why the Colts would honestly bring him back. I like him as a running back. I don't think he's a starter in the NFL, clearly. I think he's a solid backup. But I just don't see why the Colts would bring him back because, for one, one question we had going into 2019 was max durability, and he only missed, what, two games with a hand injury? And then, of course, Jordan, Jordan Wilkins and Haim Hines played. I wanted to say they played every game last year. Uh, but the, the running back durability was there for the Colts, so Jonathan Williams... I, don't, I think he was a healthy scratch for most of the beginning part of the year. So I know Chris Bauer loves him, but I just don't see where Jonathan Williams can could possibly be re-signed and pertain to this roster. Yeah, I liked Jonathan Williams on this team because I felt like he was a nice security blanket if Jordan Wilkins didn't prove himself to be a quality backup running back. But I think, honestly, Wilkins has earned that job. I think at some point... You just have to give the kid his due. He's averaged over five and a half yards in his career, and I know you know that's heavily skewed by minimal small carries. Small sample guys. Small sample size. Can, but the thing is, as a player, all you can do is get is succeed in the opportunities you're given. I, you know, Jordan Wilkins has done a really, really nice job, and you know, I think at some point you have to give a guy the job when he's earned it. And I think Jordan Wilkins has earned it for the last two years. He's been nothing but solid. I mean, when if Marlon Mack's injured and we have to roll with Wilkins, I never have a problem with it because I really like Jordan Wilkins. I think he does a lot. I think he's a really smart, physical runner. And I think, again, if you talk about having a backup running back, I think Jordan Wilkins does a really fine job. And I think that's what pushes uh, Williams off this roster. Again, I'm with you. I really like him. Like you said, he had back-to-back 100-yard games. He's like a very violent, physical runner, a good runner. I think he's a good pass blocker. I think he's going to be a good player somewhere. I think he can fill in a nice role as a backup running back, but unless you're going to boot Wilkins off this roster, which I don't think would be right to do, I just don't see a role for Williams on this roster. I completely agree with you on that one. And the last guy on our list, long-time veteran on the uh, on the defense for the secondary is Clayton Gathers. And I, I, I hate to toot my own but, horn, but I, I kind of saw it in the preseason and during the draft when, Car- when the Colts picked Kari Willis and I said Corey Wilson will probably eventually take over Clayton Gathers, and uh, Clayton Gathers really was mostly just a spot starter at the second half of the year and a guy that played special teams, but um, it'd be very tough. I, I kind of would like to have Clayton Gathers back for safety depth just to have George Ohm and Clayton Gathers as the backups, but I, I don't know if the Colts will bring him back. 
Yeah, I just think there's quite a few guys right now that are going to be, like you said, you talked about George Odom, who, because you have, right now, you obviously have Lee Cooker and Carly Willis, probably going to be your starters. And then you have George Odom, is probably your third guy. Then you have, you're going to have to account for Marvell Tell, because even though he's cornerback, he's also, you know, a safety, so he's kind of a, kind of a hybrid player. I mean, I just think there's just too many players on this secondary to really provide him with a semi-decent role. Now, listen, if he's willing to come in, he's a special teams player, so if he's willing to come back on a minimum salary and just kind of play that special teams role, I know Chris Ballard loves him. He's great in the locker room. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back on, you know, just that basis that he plays special teams. Like you said, you can trust him as a veteran to spot start a game or two. Um, I think we saw us kind of come back and bite ourselves in the ass when we let Matthias Farley go and you know, we, we didn't have that veteran safety net when things went wrong in that situation. And maybe Chris Ballard is learning from that. And he brings Clayton Gathers back just based on that merit. And they love the fact that he plays through a ton of injuries. And you know, he's just a tough guy. You know, he's a, he's a really good guy to have in the locker room. So, you know, I, I'll, I'll just I'll just give Gathers the benefit of the doubt, given his relationship with Ballard, given the fact he's flexible uh, you know, with, with defensive snaps and in special teams. Again, I, I wouldn't bring him back on the basis that he's going to take defensive snaps from any of those top three safeties or a guy like Tell or anything like that. But if you want to bring him back as, as, a, as a special teams player and then as kind of an emergency starter, if it gets to that, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. And, and again, I, I, I'm giving him the benefit, benefit of the doubt in that aspect. So I think he gets brought back next year. This is just the first. I can't believe it's just the first off-season episode for the Colts that we've got going now. But the off-season's here. We've got we're gonna have plenty of content for you guys, and we're really excited to start bringing it to you guys. So uh, we hope you guys join us in for the long ride. It should be a very eventful off-season. Probably the most important. Probably really since the Colts have moved to Indianapolis, if you really think about it, since 1983. So um, we'll have all the information for you guys and everything like that. Uh, We appreciate you guys coming on and listening to the show, and we hope you guys have a good rest of the day.